Welcome back to another episode of Fireside Football, presented by Empire Sports Media. You are here with Brendan and Dylan. As always, Dylan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Brendan. I'm excited to talk about the AFC South and next week the North. Yeah, a lot to look forward to talking about football. Aside from football, though, great day, great week. Uh, sports are back. NBA scrimmage games have started, and the MLB is starting at the end of this week. So a lot to look forward to there for sports fans. But let's get back to the AFC South. AFC South obviously consists of the Texans, Colts, Titans, and Jaguars. The division was won by the Texans last year, but they were outshined by the Titans in the playoffs. So I think it's only right we start talking about the Titans first. The Titans beat the Patriots and the Ravens in the playoffs before losing to Kansas City in the conference championship. Now, being that the Titans had this remarkable push last year and the running champion in Derrick Henry and the breakout season of Ryan Tannehill, do you see this kind of success moving forward into this upcoming season? I do. I think that Derrick Henry is a very hard rusher to stop, and I think that that's going to definitely continue to make the offense all the more dangerous, and it's going to give Tannehill a little more opportunity to play good football, and he's got good weaponry around him, and honestly, I think that they're going to have continuity this year in terms of success levels. Their defense even improved in my eyes, so I think that they're going to have a lot of success this season, and I think that they're going to be right up there uh, contending for the AFC. Yeah, I think Derrick Henry is going to repeat as the rushing champion simply because of the amount of carries that he's going to get. This team is a run-first team, and they are going to ride to wherever Derrick Henry takes them. He's going to be getting 20 to 25 carries easily a game, uh, let alone whatever other touches he gets. And with that kind of usage, he's, he's going to have production. And that showed last year as he led the league in carries as well. As for Ryan Tannehill, I think that in order for him to be successful, they need Derrick Henry to lead the league in rushing and to get that many touches because Tannehill isn't a guy that can carry a team by himself. He's a solid quarterback. He doesn't turn the ball over all too um, all too much. And if he throws the ball 15, 20 times a game maybe, they'll be successful because Derrick Henry is going to have the bulk of the touches and the bulk of the usage. And Tannehill can move the ball when he needs, in the air, on the ground, and I think that that's the recipe for success with the Titans. Now, you spoke about that their defense did get better. They did add, in the offseason, cornerback Jonathan Joseph from the Houston Texans, Vic Beasley. They also added players such as Ty Sambrilo, Nick Zubnar, Ibrahim Campbell, and Sonoris Perry, so some additions there. I agree. I think their defense definitely got better with Jonathan Joseph and Vic Beasley. However, they did lose Jarrell Casey, which is going to be a big loss for them as he's been a longtime Titan and a focal part of that defense. What specifically with this defense do you see improving this upcoming season? I think there's there's going to be two aspects that improve this season. Last year, the pass rush was kind of subpar. It was kind of captained by Correa uh, Kamale, I think is his first name. Harold Landry and Rashawn Evans kind of all trying to get in there. And then, you know, a little bit of the defensive line impact with Jeffrey Simmons towards the back half of the season. But really... In my opinion, I think that the secondary is going to be much improved with the additions of Joseph and also Christian Fulton. 
I think that that addition is kind of underrated in terms of him coming in and already being an impact slot corner. Um, they have Malcolm Butler and Adoree Jackson, who are two very good corners. And then at safety, you have Kenny Vaccaro and Kevin Byard, who are both very good as well. Adding Fulton and Joseph adds a 3-4 and four at corner that just completely solidifies the secondary and then in terms of the pass rush they improved by adding Vic Beasley because yes Vic Beasley may not be the most prolific pass rusher but last season eight sacks two forced fumbles which is disruptive I mean you can't say that's not so that not only adds another layer to that pass rush but also opens things up for Harold Landry as he enters another year he's still young only 24 and I think that this year he's going to take some big steps as is Rashad Evans you know only two and a half sacks last year he's more of a middle linebacker but I think that he's going to have the opportunity to be more disruptive in terms of tackles for loss and kind of getting into the backfield and making more plays in that sense so I think that Vic Beasley opens things up and I think Christian Fulton and just Jonathan Joseph kind of solidify things in the secondary so it's kind Kind of a big um, offseason for them in terms of that, but they did have some losses. I mean, Terrell Casey was a huge piece in that defense, so I think that that's going to be something to watch. And I think that they digress slightly in terms of some areas of their team, but I also think that the way they went about the additions they made made this defense better. Yeah, you kind of beat me to my own point here with Vic Beasley, who's actually my defensive player to watch. You mentioned his stats, you know, the eight sacks last season and whatnot. And coming over to this team, he's going to have to have a big part of that defense, you know, locked down. He's got to produce. He's got to provide some pressure on the edge. And, you know, if he plays well, this defense definitely got better. But if he doesn't, I think it's going to be a big loss because of Jarrell Casey. So Vic Beasley needs to – I know they're different positions. One, uh, Casey is a defensive end. And, Vic Beasley is a linebacker, but they still play in somewhat similar ways where they both provide somewhat of an edge rush, so Vic Beasley definitely has to produce there. And, you know, you spoke about um, Malcolm Butler and Adoree Jackson, a cornerback, but a cornerback they did lose is Logan Ryan, who's still currently a free agent. And I don't know, honestly, you know, if he gets signed, where he's going to go. I'm curious to see where you think he fits. Um, I really thought he was going to fit very well with our New York Jets. I thought that that addition was going to make a lot of sense in terms of solidifying our secondary as Jets fans, and I think that that was going to be something that would have been a very good move in that sense. But I think that for Logan Ryan, it's going to be getting the best opportunity to get a prove-it deal. I think that by adding Jonathan Joseph and Christian Fulton, they kind of canceled out the opportunity for Logan Ryan to really come back in my eyes. But I think the Jets, you have an opportunity for Logan Ryan to come in pair with Brian Poole um, Pierre Desir Quincy Wilson Bryce Hall um, and bless Austin and kind of come in and step up immediately as a number one corner in that defense so I think that that would be the ideal fit for him not even just in New York but to kind of go somewhere where he can be counted on as a vet number one corner and then try to sign a you know more two three year deal next year as he's in the latter half of his career now so I think that that would be the move for Logan Ryan but I think as for the Titans they've solidified enough in that secondary that Logan Ryan's no longer needed in my eyes yeah, absolutely. This defense is definitely still strong with or without Logan Ryan, but we spoke about their offense a little bit earlier, uh, spoke about how Derrick Henry, I believe, is going to have to be the leading rusher again for them to get back to where they were, but in terms of quarterback play and receiver play, what are your expectations for Ryan Tannehill? Because he didn't play a full season last year, he kind of came in um, at some point during the season, and 
he really made this offense take a jump. So do you think that now that he has a contract and that he's going to be that guy from the beginning, do you think that they're going to get back to where they were and he'll play even better, or do you think there's going to be a regression? So something I wanted to point out about Derrick Henry here, and before I go to Ryan Tannehill, and it kind of it heavily ties in actually to Ryan Tannehill, is every year Derrick Henry has shown improvement. Rookie year, 490 yards. Uh, 2017, 744 yards. Last year, monster jump to 1,059 yards and 12 touchdowns. Then last year, even bigger jump, led the league in rushing attempts. He led the league in rushing yards, touchdowns, and was sixth in average yards per rush. So what that means to me is, yes, Derrick Henry at 26 is a phenomenal rusher, and he hasn't shown any sign of slowing down. But with that said, I think that as defenses gear more towards that heavy rush, you know, punch you in the mouth rushing attack that Derrick Henry brings to the table, it's going to open things up for Ryan Tannehill. In terms of Ryan Tannehill's skill level, I do think that Tannehill is a very good game manager. I think that he's going to have the opportunity with weapons like A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys, Janu Smith, Anthony Ferkser, McCauley Pruitt. Very good, talented group of weapons and then he also adds in Darrington Evans who's the number two back who was a guy I mocked a lot to our New York Jets and he's a speedy you know receiving back which adds another layer to Derrick Henry's rushing attack because he can kind of complement that in that sense and then you have a very good offensive line they added Isaiah Wilson you have Taylor Luan Roger Saffold Ben Jones Nate Davis five guys there that are very good so Tannehill right now is poised to have a very very good situation because Derrick Henry is not slowing down, and you have all this weaponry, and I think it opens things up for him to have a very big season next year. I do think that his numbers aren't going to be through the roof, but they're going to be good enough for this team to win games and win the division. Right. Tannehill doesn't have to be a stat leader at quarterback for this team to go anywhere. Uh, Many people might forget he wasn't always a quarterback. He has some history at wide receiver before the NFL, and that's that's interesting for a quarterback because that means that, yeah, he can throw, but he's also very mobile. And when you think Tannehill, you don't necessarily think he's one of the top mobile quarterbacks in the league, but he has the ability to get out of the pocket and make plays with his legs, which is a huge upside. Uh, my offensive player to watch actually ties into Tannehill, uh, into Tannehill too. My, my player to watch is A.J. Brown, the second-year wide receiver uh, for the Titans, because last year, as a rookie, he had a spectacular season, over 1,000 yards, and he was clearly, I think he was the best rookie wide receiver in the regular season, and then I think DK Metcalf in the postseason, but A.J. Brown is fantastic, and you know I think he's a little upset here because, jokingly, he doesn't like the Madden rating he got this upcoming season, so I think he's going to try to improve that a little bit, and I'm expecting a big year out of A.J. Brown. Are you watching him as well, or do you have someone else to watch here? Uh, I definitely am watching A.J. Brown. He was on my fantasy team last year. Great late-round pickup for me because he put up 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns. So very good pickup on my end there. Had to pat myself a little bit on the back. But, yeah, I'm watching A.J. Brown. I mean, he has the potential to be a number one receiver for this team. And Corey Davis, I mean, as much as he's kind of slept on a little bit, he did take a little bit of a jump last season in my eyes in terms of the way he was running routes. I mean, in my eyes, it looked like he... I don't know. It, it it seemed like, in my eyes, he took a little bit of a jump, but I think that he's not going to be counted on to be that number one guy. So I think that in terms of complementing 
A.J. Brown. There isn't that guy. Adam Humphreys is a great slot guy, so that's my worry. I Although Corey Davis took a jump, I don't see him taking another jump this year, so once they do get a number two guy, I think that that'll change things, but Corey Davis at this point is a good red zone threat. If he took this offseason and took this quarantine and worked hard and turned himself into a true number two receiver, this offense is deadly, but at this point, Davis kind of holds that wide receiver court back and is going to end up holding, I think, Brown back. So my guy to watch, I just kind of touched on it, is Darrington Evans. In his time so far, Derrick Henry hasn't had, in my eyes, that kind of speedy, young receiving back. Yes, he had Deion Lewis for a little bit, but not in the sense that, you know, Darrington Evans brings to the table. He's speedy, he's dynamic, he adds the other layer because Derrick Henry punches you in the mouth and Darrington Evans runs around you. So I think that Evans is not going to get a ton of reps out of the backfield, but I think that he's going to have the opportunity to be a pass-catching weapon, and I think that that's going to be my player to watch on offense for them. Yeah, just to ask you a quick question here, how often do you see him getting on the field and contributing with the amount of touches that Derrick Henry is most likely going to be getting? I don't see Henry stepping off the field a whole lot, so in my eyes, I think Evans is going to be definitely used in a two in two back sets a lot more, so I don't see him getting a ton of reps early, but definitely towards the back half of the season, I expect him to be more involved in third down scenarios and you know long second down, so I do think that there's going to be the opportunity for him to shine, so I don't think he's going to be any sense of a workhorse back, because that's Derrick Henry, but I think that he's going to be a nice compliment every once in a while all right so nine and seven last year and second in the division i think that they are the safest pick to win the division this year i have them winning at a record of 10 and 6 a one game improvement what about you not often do we agree brendan but i have the same at 10 and 6 for the tennessee titans and winning the division all right that is a great agreement (laughs) to move on to the next part here the houston texans who were 10 and 6 last year winning the division obviously losing in the divisional round of the playoffs. So the big news with them, obviously, no more DeAndre Hopkins. They traded him away to the Arizona Cardinals, who we raved about a couple episodes ago, in exchange for David Johnson and some other pieces. Now, David Johnson, do you see him having a big impact on this offense and getting back to his production and numbers from a few seasons ago in Arizona, or do you see him continuing on a downwards trend in numbers? In terms of him having success, absolutely not. I hated the trade. It has got to be one of the worst trades in my eyes in football history. I think that David Johnson is at 28 years old now. He has had injury history. Last season, 345 yards and two scores pitiful Uh, yes he battled injuries and I'm not gonna sit here and try to bury David Johnson because in no means is that what I want to do at one point he was a guy I really liked in this league but at this point in time he's the kind of guy who could be a lead back in a committee and you look at this team and you have Duke Johnson behind him who had 410 yards last year decent numbers nothing spectacular and then behind him I mean you got Buddy Howell uh, he had 10 yards last year on five attempts, if you'd like to know. Um, uh, Karan Higdon, uh, he's a young guy from Michigan. So unless either of those guys break out, I don't see David Johnson having a lot of success on his own, really, because I don't think Duke Johnson is going to get a ton of reps. But the Johnson tandem, not going to have a lot of success in my eyes, and neither is David Johnson. And 
Although this offensive line, I'm not that's one aspect of this team I'm really not gonna bury. Their offensive line is much improved in my eyes, especially since Tunzel has came here. But I think that at this point in time, David Johnson's not the back to put all your chips in the table for. Yeah, I don't see David Johnson getting back to those numbers. I mean, I think he'll be okay. I think he'll put up some, you know, some decent numbers, but he's not going to be anywhere near what he should be for a player you're trading for by giving up DeAndre Hopkins. One of the best, if not the best receiver in the entire NFL. So that was just a mind-boggling trade. I mean, I guess if you want to defend the trade, the way you could think of it, think of it is this wide receiver group isn't necessarily that awful. I mean, they're led by Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, and Kenny Stills. So some veterans there who can produce, but DeAndre Hopkins, man, I mean, that's not a player that you trade. He's a once-in-a-generation type receiver. Yeah. And it's it's just mind-boggling. Do you, I mean, how do you see this receiving core playing without DeAndre Hopkins, and do you think it's going to take a big toll on Deshaun Watson, who's going to be up for a contract shortly. So to me, this is kind of two separate questions. Do I think that the wide receiving core is going to be okay? In one sense, yes. I think that they have enough depth. There's kind of three guys I wanted to pinpoint here that aren't, you know, the Stills, Cooks, Cobb, um, Fuller group. I like Tyler Simmons a little bit. He's a back, back half of the depth chart. But he is from Georgia. He's young. I think he's got potential to be a, you know, late, you know, late add to the roster towards the back half of what would have been the preseason but now training camp. And I think that he will slip in and be, you know, an, a six, seven guy who can come in and get reps every once in a while and be okay. He will be able to be, you know, a backup for Will Fuller. Do I see him making a huge impact? No. The guys I really pinpoint here, Isaiah Coulter from Rhode Island, Kiki Kute. Last season, Kute, when he was healthy, was very good. Coulter at Rhode Island was very, very good. At the Combine, he impressed me a lot. So those kind of guys are going to be the guys you're going to have to watch because your lead guys, Will Fuller, incredibly injury-prone. When he is on, he's on. But when he is hurt, he's hurt. He's out for a while. He doesn't miss one, two games. He misses a very big stretch of games. I mean, at one point, towards ACL, he tears something else. And it's not a knack on Will Fuller in terms of the player he is, because he's a good player when he's on the field, but he can't stay on the field. In terms of Kenny Stills, he impressed me last season, actually. 500 or so yards, a few scores. Brandon Cooks, I think he's one of the most slept-on receivers in the league in my eyes, but he's getting a little older now. 26, he's not going to be the same burner he was, and he's been passed around this league incredibly quickly. And it feels like he's been in the league forever with that said. So, and then you add Randall Cobb. So, there's a mix of receivers here that I don't hate. I'm not going to sit here and bury their wide receiver room. But there isn't a guy like a DeAndre Hopkins that stands out to me and says, that is a guy you need for a young quarterback to count on. And you have Deshaun Watson, who this is the second part of the question, is in the market now for a contract extension. And you're putting him in a situation here where... You can't expect him to put up incredible numbers. Yes, there is depth in this wide receiver core. There is. But there aren't guys who are out-of-this-world receivers like he had. So now you're trusting him with Kenny Stills, Randall Cobb, Brandon Cooks, and maybe half of a Will Fuller if he can stay healthy, a full one, to make something happen. Do I think that he'll have success? In some variation, yes. But do I think that this is going to hurt him for an extension? Heavily. 
because his numbers are going to dip. The market's going to change, and Bill O'Brien has not proved he's the brightest tool in the toolbox. So I think, or sharpest tool with that said, um, but I think that Deshaun Watson, this is going to hurt his value. I think Deshaun Watson is an incredibly talented quarterback and does not deserve to be treated like this. Uh, but with that said, I think that the wide receiver corpse is going to hurt Deshaun Watson heavily. I agree. I think that this wide receiver core is going to result in, in not saying they're bad, obviously, but it's going to result in a little bit of a dip of his numbers and the Texans' overall wins and losses because this is a team with Deshaun Watson who made the playoffs last year, and you're expecting to make the playoffs consistently with that type of quarterback you know, at the helm. And w- when you don't have a receiver like DeAndre Hopkins, someone who you could just throw it up to and rely on consistently, and you know he's going to make a play for you and you need it, what do they have now? I mean, their number one receiver on the depth chart is Will Fuller, who, as you said, is very injury-prone. Nowhere near DeAndre Hopkins' level. So, a player like Deshaun Watson playing for a potential contract, I think that the people around the league and the front office, they're going to have to understand that there's going to be a dip in his numbers and that, yeah, I think they're still an edge of the playoffs team. I don't think they're going to win this division with the Titans in it with them. But they're not going to be a bottom feeder either. I think they're going to be slightly, slightly above middle of the pack. I think they'll finish. I want to say nine and seven, but I think they're going to be eight and eight this year. I don't think they're going to have a losing record, but they're not going to be a playoff team. They're not going to be a team pushing for a Super Bowl at all, let alone the divisional round where they were last year. I don't think that they're even there because, along with DeAndre Hopkins, they also lost Jonathan Joseph, Carlos Hyde, Tashawn Gibson, and DJ Reader. So some big losses there, and their additions don't even come close to making up for what they lost. So I'm very down on the Texans this year. I have them at 8-8, eight and eight, and their offense is the reason. Yeah, they lost some defensive players, like I said, but on their offense, no DeAndre Hopkins, and now your number one running back is David Johnson, who's dealt with injuries. He's been regressing ever since coming into the league, pretty much, and... He's going to have to play a huge part of this offense with Deshaun Watson, who is actually my offensive player to watch, because he's going to have to be even greater now in order to get this team to a potential playoff berth again. So I'm very down on the Texans. I mean, I like Deshaun Watson. I actually <laughs> I actually wanted the Justin draft in the year uh, with Jamal Adams. Um, but, man, I, I just feel bad for him. I feel bad for Deshaun Watson, because it seems like Bill O'Brien is... <laughs> isn't trying to help him out at all here yeah I completely agree and I think that you know you touched on they're not gonna have a losing record is something that is it's really hard for me because honestly and I full frontal honesty with the audience right now at one point in my record prediction right now I had him at five and eleven and another point I had him at ten and six I have gone back and forth with my prediction so many times I'm gonna sit middle of the road and go it's hurting me here, but I'm going to go 8-8. Eight and eight. I, I wanted to go a little 7-9, and nine, but because I don't trust Bill O'Brien. That's my biggest issue. Actually, I'm going 7-9. and nine. That's my concrete prediction because— Oh, we were on the same page, man. Two and sorry. Two <laughs> I, my issue with Bill O'Brien is I look at two guys here, and you didn't touch on them because it was a draft picks that are heavily underrated in my eyes. And they're my two players to watch. I'm not even going to give an offensive player to watch because I'm— utterly embarrassed at the lack of competence Bill O'Brien has displayed on his regards to giving Deshaun Watson weapons, so I'm not even going to give them any regards. 
Uh, if I had to pinpoint anything, I'd say I just touched on it, the wide receiver core. But two guys I like, Ross Blacklock. He was their first rounder or early second. I can't remember. But he was a early pick for them. And then Jonathan Greenard. Greenard is a prolific pass rusher who is incredibly productive at Florida. Blacklock at TCU demonstrated incredible athleticism. Last year, they drafted Charles and Manningu. He had three sacks last year and two forced fumbles. Nothing incredible. But if those three guys, and Blacklock and Greenard specifically, can get some reps, and immediately I think they will contribute. So say this happens. Then you have a defense that I really like. If Watt stays healthy, and I think Watt's coming back with a fire this year, and you get those two young guys in there with a defense full of some good, talented veterans, this defense could be very good. But that offense holds them back so much in my eyes. And I think that this defense will be near the top half of the league. That's my big, bold prediction. But I think that this offense is going to be near the bottom half. And you can't, as much as they say defense wins games, without any sense of an offense, I don't think you can. If Deshaun Watson can pull magic and out of his hat and just put on a show this year with the wide receiver core he has, I will happily eat my words. Because as you said, just like you like him, I liked him a lot. I would have loved to have seen him in the green and white. But at this point in time, Deshaun Watson can only do so much with what he has. So I don't see them having an incredible season, but I don't see them being, you know, one of the worst teams. But I'm going to sit at seven and nine here because I do think that it's safe enough for me to sit at. But I mean, if Deshaun Watson can pull magic out of his hat, this team could compete for the division. It's just a matter of whether or not Bill O'Brien's competence and really in this case lack thereof holds them back which in this case I think it will yeah going back actually uh to the defensive players you mentioned I want to add another player in there uh in linebacker Zach Cunningham who's my defensive player to watch because he's going into his fourth season all with Houston he had his best year last year with 142 total tackles two sacks and two fumble recoveries he had a very good season and no one seems to really be talking about him among the top half of the linebackers in the league and he's a very productive linebacker who is one of the backbones of this defense in my eyes and I think he's going to have another great season and he's going to be a huge part of if you're predicting correctly this defense being in the top half of the league which they're going to have to be with the blows they took to this offense so I think Zach Cunningham is going to be a huge part of that if that ends up happening so moving on here indianapolis colts they were seven and nine last year which was your record prediction for the texans what do you see the colts going this year with their new quarterback in philip rivers i am high 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 on the indianapolis colts i'm gonna have them at nine and seven i i think they're gonna compete for the division i think that this is a team that i mean i even had them at one point at ten and six and maybe winning the division I like this team a lot. I think this team could win the division. My only real qualm or qualm, whatever, I can't pronounce it, um, with them right now is no true big, you know, compliment to Justin Houston and Darius Leonard as a pass rusher. But if Bobby Okariki steps up this year and you can get some other guys to step up, I mean, the only thing that could even remotely hold them back is Phillip Rivers. And if he isn't throwing a medicine ball next year this team i mean this team could be dangerous well in case you forgot 
they did add DeForest Buckner this offseason. So he's going to be a big addition to that defense as well. But they also, along with Buckner and Rivers, signed Xavier Rhodes, Trey Burton, TJ Carey, Sheldon Day, and Roosevelt Nix, which is a fantastic name. But they had some great additions, man, especially on defense with Xavier Rhodes and DeForest Buckner. Those are some big additions for that defense. So they're going to be good. They're definitely going to be good. Um, now, Phillip Rivers, man. I mean, Phillip Rivers is a guy who I always wanted to see win a Super Bowl. I love Phillip Rivers. One of my favorite quarterbacks in the league. I think it's hard to not like him. You hear the way he talks to his players, and you <laughs> you hear his reactions on the field. You never hear this guy curse, man. You see this guy getting upset, and he screams like "Golly" or something. It's just, it's fantastic. So I love Philip Rivers. I think that he was is he on a one year deal, right? One year deal with the Colts, and I don't know if he'll play after this season, but I think he's going to have a nice chance to have some highly competitive games this year with the Colts. Do you see Rivers actually here? Playing at his like, what le- I don't know what level to put him at for playing wise here. I mean, because he's a talented quarterback, but he's also an older quarterback in a new system where you couldn't really work out this offseason the way you would have up to this point. So, what do you see Phil Rivers doing statistics wise? I know you have them at nine and seven, but do you see the offense led by Phil Rivers being a big part of that, or is it strictly on defense? Right, so, in one thing that I pinpointed with the Colts, or not the Colts, the Chargers when I talked about them, is I didn't really love their offensive line, and correct me if I'm wrong, I wasn't crazy high on it this year, and I wasn't high on it last year. So that's one thing in Philip Rivers' favor. Another thing in his favor is his wide receiver room and his weaponry as a whole. Offensive line is impeccable. I mean, you can't pinpoint one guy other than maybe Mark Lewinsky on that offensive line that isn't a huge name, but even him, He's a productive offensive lineman, and I can't knack him for that. Ryan Kenny, Quentin Nelson, Anthony Castanzo, Braden Smith, all four of those guys are pro ball caliber linemen every year. Then you have Jack Doyle, Trey Burton, two very good tight ends, Paris Campbell, Michael Pittman Jr., Ty Hilton, Zach Paschal. Four wide receivers who are burners and incredibly talented. And then you get to the running back room. Jonathan Taylor, a beast. Marlon Mack. A very talented rusher and Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins two very good complimentary backs I don't have a spot on this offense other than Philip Rivers that I'm questioning and Philip Rivers last season though was number four in the league in passing yards 4,615 yards and a 66% completion percentage not awful 23 touchdowns though 220 interceptions if he can cut back on interceptions he's a middle of the road quarterback which, and I'm going to put a little bit more of a statistical spin on this here, in comparison to Jacoby Brissett, Jacoby Brissett, 27th in passing yards last year, 26th in touchdowns. He didn't throw a lot of picks, which was good, but 60.8% completion percentage. If he can just maintain that completion percentage, maintain that yardage, cut down on picks, and hell, keep the 23 touchdowns, or go a little lower or a little bit higher, Philip Rivers has a very good season and a season capable of bringing them to the playoffs. So all it's going to take for him is to not throw a medicine ball around next year and have a solid, solid is all he needs season. And this seems in contention in my eyes. Do you think that there's any sort of leash attached to 
Rivers' play, or do you think that it's his team for the season regardless of how he's playing? This is a hard question for me in that sense because I don't think Philip Rivers will have a bad season. I think that he's going to have a solid season. I do think he will have that season I just talked about. But in terms of a leash, so if it all goes wrong, I I wouldn't say that they – I mean, maybe they'd throw Jacoby Brissett in there, but I don't think Frank Reich would do it. I think that he would try to run it out with Phil Rivers unless he plays, like, god-awful football. But I think that if, as long as he's playing good enough football to keep them competitive, he's not going to be pulled out of games. And I think that Jacoby Brissett would be the guy – if he were pulled out, not Jacob Eason, I think Eason is guy though who could be a developmental piece for them, and Philip Rivers could maybe mentor. But I think at this time, Philip Rivers doesn't have a huge leash on him, or has a huge leash on him. I don't see him being pulled out anytime soon. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough for him to play bad because of the weapons around him that you already mentioned. I mean, this running back group, I absolutely love. I think they can be one of the best running back groups in the league, and they have been very good recently with Naheem Hines and Marlon Mack. And now you add Jonathan Taylor. I mean, this running back group is fantastic. Do you see, I mean, who do you see at the, as the starting running back come week one? Do you see Marlon Mack keeping that spot or do you see Jonathan Taylor? I think it? initially we're going to see something similar to what Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen did a few years ago where they kind of alternated. But at some point I see Taylor running away with this backfield. I mean, he was incredible at Wisconsin so if he can step it up I think he's the lead back and I think that Marlon Mack I mean he was talented last year don't get me wrong I mean 11th in rushing yards tied for ninth in attempts tied for ninth in touchdowns so he was a top 10 back in my eyes last season and heavily underrated and Jonathan Taylor and him could be a dangerous tandem I think at some point Taylor will be given the lead kind of title but I think at this point, though, initially, they're going to be a very, very good tandem working together. So you see it more as a duo with Taylor and Mack than as a trio with Hines? Yeah, Taylor. I think Hines would be brought in maybe a little more in that receiving back sense because I don't think he—I mean, he wasn't brought in more in a receiving back sense last year. But I think that he could grow into that la- or more this year because last season, 320 receiving yards— 44 receptions versus his 199 rushing so if he can develop more in that receiving back role I mean this running back room would be absolutely incredible one of the best in the league in my eyes if they all live up to their potential next season okay so let me put in front of you here the lead six I'm going to call them for this offense so if they have the running back duo it's Philip Rivers Jonathan Taylor Marlon Mack then at tight end you have Excuse me, Trey Burton, who I think is a big upgrade over Eric Ebron, who is somewhat inconsistent. And then at wide receiver, you have T.Y. Hilton, who you're getting consistent play with. And now rookie wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr., who's actually my player to watch at 6'4", 223. So now they have Hilton, who is a small receiver, and now Pittman, who is a bigger receiver. So, I mean, those six players can be a very good offense. And I'm really looking forward to see what Phillip Rivers does outside of the Chargers, although it's going to take me a little bit to get used to seeing him in a different uniform. But I think they're going to be fun to watch. Now, being that Michael Pittman is my offensive player to watch, do you think that he's going to have a similar season to what DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown had? Do you see him having 
like a good season, decent season, bad season? Where do you see him comparing to those top receivers taken like a Jerry Judy or a Henry So Rose? I think that Pittman ends up having a season. I have five guys I'm thinking of right now from this receiving class, and it's not to sleep on any of the other guys like a Brandon Ayuk who I liked and KJ Hamler. But if you look at Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, Henry Ruggs, Michael Pittman, and Denzel Mims. All five of them are going to have the opportunity to contribute immediately. Ayuk is going to have an opportunity to get thrown into the fire, and I think it's going to be hard for him to contribute heavily at first. But you look at all of those guys and all different quarterback situations, and I think that you know Mims, it's, there might be some growing pains at first. Judy, I think that Judy's going to have success early. CeeDee Lamb, I think that he's going to have a decent amount of success early, but he's going to be competing for reps heavily. And I think that then you look at Henry Ruggs. I think he's going to get some good opportunities early, but I don't know how much success. Pittman is in the second-best scenario in my eyes to Jerry Judy. With that said as well, though, then you look at who's behind him. Paris Campbell, very speedy, could be a very nice slot guy. And then you look at T.Y. Hilton, who, in my eyes, is one of the most slept-on receivers in football, and at 30 years old, isn't that old. And I think that if Hilton has a solid year, so put him at maybe 800 yards, and Pittman goes 800 yards, and Campbell goes 500 to 600 yards, that's a great trio. And I think that you consider that a very, very good year for Pittman. So I think he ends up being the second best of this class. And with that said as well, I think he has an A.J. Brown kind of level year. I don't know if he hits 1,000 yards. He could. But I think that this wide receiving core has potential by 2021 to develop into a very, very good one. But at this point, I think Pittman will have a good jump next year. So as much as we like this offense, we know that there's a defense as well. And we spoke about the defense a front defensive front and linebacking group led by Justin Houston, now DeForest Buckner, and Darius Leonard. But the part that's the only part that really scares me about this team is the secondary because yes, they signed Xavier Rhodes, who is a very good cornerback, but outside of him, there's not a lot of certainty in this secondary group in safety and cornerback. I mean, they have Rocky Sin as another cornerback, but outside of Xavier Rhodes, it's very iffy. And then at safety they have someone in Malik Hooker, who's my defense player to watch, who can be a very good safety, but he deals with injuries consistently. He hasn't played a full season in the NFL yet. He's going into his fourth year. As a rookie, he played just seven games. His second season, he played 14, and last year, he played 13. So he's played much more games than he did as a rookie. But he's still missing games due to injury, and that's a problem, especially for a young player like him who's going into his fourth season and who has all the talent in the world and can be a top safety in the league, potentially. So they need, they need him to, to stay healthy, period. Because if he's hurt, who else in that safety group in secondary is going to be a big-time contributor to that defense? I mean, is there anyone else that you're looking for that can potentially fill that role? Um... In terms of what Malik Hooker brings to the table, I think that, yeah, he's a guy I really like. There's a couple guys, actually, on this defense I really like. And looking at some obvious guys who could maybe jump in, I mean, Xavier Rhodes could be a piece. I mean, Rhodes closed. He was excellent for a while there, a prolific corner. And it's kind of slipped on that he is a Indianapolis Colt, and he could be 
a big piece. I mean, 30 years old, yeah, he's not going to have a huge, huge opportunity to succeed. But Rocky Sin and Kenny Moore, two young guys, very talented, but two young guys. Xavier Rhodes can mentor them, be a nice slot piece. And I think that that's going to add something to the secondary. And then in terms of safety, Hooker's there. If he goes down, there's not a lot of depth. And even with that said, there's not a lot of depth. Julian Blackman is a guy I kind of am watching. Um, him and Robert Windsor, I'll talk about Windsor in a second, are my players to watch. Blackman, rookie out of Utah, he is a very good athlete, and I think that he could contribute. And I think him and Rhodes are going to be two guys to watch on that defense in terms of their secondary. And then in terms of the linebacking core, it feels like a whole other world and even their defensive line because they're pretty solidified there. I mean, Anthony Walker, he's a solid middle linebacker and kind of underrated, actually. And that you could say that about Bobby Okariki, too, at linebacker. Young from Stanford and a very, very good athlete. And then you look at Darius Leonard, who's already developed into a very, very talented linebacker in this league. DeForest Buckner and Justin Houston on the defensive line are very good. But, you know, looking for another guy, I guess, to kind of step up. Robert Windsor at Penn State last year was able to break into the backfield quite often. And he kind of fits that Colts mold of a guy who could be a contributor on that defensive line. So a lot of guys I kind of pinpointed on this defense, but in terms of depth at secondary, I'm not incredibly worried. And, you know, in safety, yeah, it could be a little tight towards the end of the season, especially as players need rest, or if somebody goes down, it could be, you know, tight in terms of depth level. But this defense isn't bad. Their offense is very good. I mean... I like this Colts team, Brendan. I really do. I I almost want to bump them up from nine and seven to ten and six, and pretty close to the Titans and tied with them. And the only thing holding me back is Phil Rivers. Yeah, I'm not as high in them as you are. I mean, nine and seven is a little generous for me. I have them at seven and nine, or around eight and eight as well. I see them battling with the Texans for that second spot in the division, but. I don't think they're competing with the Titans this year. I think that this is the Titans division, and it's going to be fairly easily. Let's move on here. You're high on the tight. Excuse me. You're high on the Colts. I am very low on the Jaguars, who are the final team in this division. The Jaguars went 6-10 and last season. Just two years earlier, they were in the AFC Championship game. I mean, it has been a huge turn of events for Jacksonville. And I think that they are going to continue on the downward trend. I have them at, get ready for this, 3-13. and 13. Oh my gosh, Brandon. I think the, I think the Jaguars are going to have that first pick in the draft. And I know that there's Minshew Mania, and everyone loves him and his mustache and his jorts and whatnot. But, man, I, this team is just, they are not a team that I can see competing for anything this season so i'm gonna go with them at three and 13 and drafting trevor lawrence out of clemson with the first overall pick and that'll be it for Minshew mania in jacksonville you didn't seem to it's like actually that the incomplete opposite i had him at three and 13 as well <laughs> and the issue though for me is i like this team i do i i i hated originally when i we were talking about what division to do this week, whether the South or the North. I thought the North would be more of a, you know, controversial division, but I'm looking at this Jaguars team, and by 2021, this could be a team I like a lot. And I think if 
if Trevor Lawrence ends up the pick, this team could be very, very good. And I would put, I would not put it past them to be, you know, a new coach and a new quarterback away from at that Cardinals level by 2021-2022. But at this point in time, yes, 3-13, it seems a little low looking at their roster. But in terms of guys who could step up at some point, there's loads of them. But in terms of guys who can produce now, with the level of Nguake and Fournette's future kind of uncertain, I don't know who you can count on. So I'm not high on this Jaguars team in terms of right now, but in the future, I'm looking at this team, and they have a kind of direction that if Minshew steps up this year, then yeah, this team could be very good. But if they if he doesn't, then yeah, this is a team that could definitely be in the market for Trevor Lawrence in the draft or Justin Fields or somebody of that nature. So I'm going to kind of spin it here, though, and ask, why are you not on the board with Minshew Mania? Because I have my reasons, but I'd like you to kind of describe them first. Well, I think Minshew is an okay quarterback. I don't think that all of this hype around him is really justified I don't think that he he's not a top quarterback in the league and he, he's someone who can play and he's shown a couple of sparks here and there but he's not he's not the quarterback of the future I mean listen to this real quick these are the six toughest games for the Jaguars this season away against the Titans away against the Texans away against the Green Bay Packers home against the Steelers away against the Vikings and away against the Ravens. They can very easily lose all six of those games. So the remaining games, I mean, if they go three, I, I mean, three and seven, I think seems fair to go in the other 10 games because this isn't a team that's going to be competing with the higher level teams. So if you take those six games out, cause three and 13 sounds horrible. If you take out those six toughest games, Three and seven seems really doable for a team that I think right now needs a player like Trevor Lawrence in the in next year's draft to get them back on track towards getting towards towards the playoffs. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't like the Jaguars this year. I, I really don't. I mean, they lost some big players too. I mean, on they lost Marquise Lee on offense. And tight end Nick O'Leary, and of course Nick Foles, but he wasn't going to be the starter anyway. But on defense, they lost Calias Campbell and A.J. Bouye. Two of their biggest players are now gone after also getting rid of Jalen Ramsey last season. So this defense, those are three players where they're leaving huge gaps in this, in this defense. And I don't see anyone on this defense really filling in for them. I mean, the only player I could think of at the cornerback position is CJ Henderson, the rookie out of Florida, who was a, you know, one of their top draft picks, and he's jumping into a starting role right away. And he's going to have to produce, and he's going to have to be a good cornerback consistently to fill in for Bouye and Jalen Ramsey, now both gone this upcoming season. And I, as far as this defense goes, I'm not liking it. I mean, the, I think this secondary is going to get burned. And I, I'm not confident in them whatsoever. I, I, I'm kind of going back and forth in my head here because I, in my eyes, I guess maybe I'm taking the opposite approach of I think they're secondary. They're a secondary and a nose, uh, 
not a secondary actually they're a solidified secondary by a new slot corner and maybe even a new number two corner behind cj henderson because i think he's immediately probably gonna be the number one corner they're those pieces and a nose tackle or another defensive tackle doesn't even have to be a nose tackle based on the scheme they run they're that away from actually being a pretty good defense because yeah but do you see them getting no, that this season, no that's the, that's the thing that's you're incredibly right that's my issue with this team is there's so many things holding me back from you know jumping right on board with this team because you know there are quarterback issues with Minshew because as much as I do like Minshew and he on paper didn't have a the worst year he wasn't keeping them competitive enough in games and if he can do that next season then I'll change my tone but I think that even looking at their weaponry, you know, LaVisca Chennault, he's still got questions with injuries, but if he can come back, I mean, him, Chark, Westbrook, and Conley, and Keelan Cole, that could be dangerous. And then even looking at if Josh Oliver takes a step up, he could be very good. If their offensive line, you know, a guy like Ben Barch and Juwan Taylor take steps up, that could be good. If Josh Allen replicates what he did last season, Clavion Chason steps up. If, you know, Shaquille Quarterman steps up, Joe Schobert plays well, but the key word in everything I just said is if. And ifs aren't going to get me to buy in on a team that you just said has six games that are very, very tough. And other than that, then you have a team that goes three and seven, and that's not half bad. So yeah, they're a quarterback, a new coach, and some you know solidification on the defense away from being a good team. But if they stay the course they're on right now, they're not going anywhere. If they change trajectory get a young offensive-minded head coach next year. doesn't even have to be young. An offensive-minded head coach. If they do that, a good defensive coordinator, this team's got an identity of being young, fast, energetic. And then this team is good. But all those ifs, all those question marks, aren't going to get me to buy into a team that on paper and on the field is 3-13 and worthy. You know, it's actually kind of funny to me because you pointed out some of the things that they need to be a competitive team moving forward, like quarterback and coach. And those are yes. two of the most important parts of a team. I mean, that that's what scares me about this team. I mean, there are some players that I like, especially on the offensive side. Like I love DJ Chark. I think he is going to be a fantastic receiver moving forward for the Jaguars. I mean, last year he had a big jump. He went over a thousand yards and he finished tied for ninth in touchdowns from wide receivers. He had just eight, not double digits, but he was tied for ninth. So that's top 10 still. So that that's good for a receiver who's on the upward trend. I mean, now they also signed tight end Tyler Eifert. This is tricky for me because Eifert is a very talented tight end, but he's had ups and downs in his career with the Bengals due to injuries. And if he can stay healthy, I think he can have a big impact on this team but, man, I don't know. I don't see him staying healthy. I mean, do you think he can? And if he does, what is his impact I, on his team? I, I didn't even really kind of target Eifer, and maybe that's ignorant of me here, but when he's been healthy, he's been semi-productive. But what I kind of looked at here was Josh Oliver, a guy who was a young pick a few years ago and missed some time last year, was kind of all over the place. But he's 23, and he's a young, talented tight end. So if, as a tandem, I kind of pinpointed them more as they could be good weapons. But Eifer, I don't know. Maybe I'm 
sleeping on Eifert here, and for his sake, I hope I am, but I've always kind of pinpointed when looking at their tight end group, you know, Josh Oliver is more of the guy of the future and more of the guy who could be more productive than Eifert, and I think that Eifert's kind of always been the guy that I've slept on in terms of a tight end because he hasn't done anything exceptional to prove that to me, but maybe, you know, a new home, maybe it's a new Tyler Eifert. Now, aside from that duo at tight end, um, there's another duo I want to talk about real quick at running back because they have Leonard Fournette, and they also signed in free agency running back Chris Thompson, who used to play for the Redskins. So they kind of have a duo going there. I'm curious to see how you think Fournette plays this upcoming season because he has also had ups and downs. I I think actually, you know what? If I'm a fantasy football owner, because I'm kind of kind of put it in that sense, I buy in on Leonard Fournette. Because as long as he starts the season with the Jacksonville Jaguars and plays football this year, I think he's a good buy-in as a player, as an individual, excuse me. But I think that looking at him for the Jaguars, I think that I don't know how much he wants to be there. And I think that the changing variations of COVID and everything could make him hold out for just cause. But if he plays football this year and consistently is on the field, I wouldn't put it past him to have a big year, but I just don't know if it'll be with the Jacksonville Jaguars or if he'll play at all this year. It's going to be really interesting to see because I think that Leonard Fournette, in order for this offense to be good, let's say, or middle of the pack, they're going to need Leonard Fournette to be productive because Gardner Minshew is not a quarterback that's going to light it up consistently and is not going to carry you to be one of the better offenses in the league. So a lot to look forward to with this division, not so much with the Jaguars, who we both have at 3-13. and 13. Sorry, Jaguars fans. But that about does it for, the AF, for this division in the AFC. We have one division left next week in the AFC North, which we are looking forward to. Dylan, where can the people find you on social media to stop? <laughs> the people you a can bit? find me on Twitter at Dylan Price27, you know, posting about NASCAR, posting about the Jets, posting about the changing climate of sports right now, because thank goodness, finally, finally, Brendan, you touched on it earlier. Sports are back, and there's going to be a lot happening. So, not even just me, tune into all of ESM Alex Wilson, Jeff Maglio, Chetty, John Zankarowski, uh, Rob Taub. A lot of guys on this staff right now are working incredibly hard to put out very, very good to- or content. Nathan Solomon as well, another guy I wanted to shout out. So kind of changing it away from myself here, just check out ESM right now. There's going to be a lot of guys working hard for the start of you know Yankees baseball, Mets baseball, baseball as a whole, basketball coming back, NHL coming back, NASCAR's up and firing away. So check out those guys. Check out my Twitter. Brendan, where can they find you? Because you're posting some good stuff and writing some incredible articles and doing an incredible job posting this show with myself. Well, thank you, Dylan. You can find me on Twitter at Brendan Carp ESM, tweeting about the Jets and NFL news. And be sure to follow our ESM breaking news account run by me and Dylan and posting all the new breaking news in the NFL as it happens. So check that out, and we'll look forward to tuning in next week. Thanks for joining us.